0: Space, Final Frontier, these are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, it's five year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new
1: life, and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations and welcome to Retrek, I'm Captain Jim and with me of course is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we're back to talk about we're we're looking at another Barclay episode. We're back on track now after we've had a a few jumps yeah, around well, in the got, timeline, but uh, we got
0: sidetracked by all the Picard stuff, didn't we? We got over we, did. we did, we did.
1: So, we got in trouble with CBS over it. We did. We had to take down
0: our, our video clips of Picard, which yeah, so it's a bit weird. So anyone who watched anyone who watched us live last week, you've seen it all. Yeah. Anyone who's watched uh, the YouTube afterwards, apologies, that it looks strange at about ten and a half minutes because we had to literally remove a minute of the. It was either remove a minute or remove the entire.
1: It was a strange one, definitely.
0: Yeah, you know, so we had to. Yeah, and, and anyone who listening to the podcast, the podcast has gone out normal.
1: Yeah, podcast is normal, and. Um, the weird thing is that we were showing a trailer, which is advertising the program. So surely we were just giving them free advertising. But anyway, they weren't happy, so we removed it.
0: But it's because it's it's because their uh, their channels all monetized, and they have adverts. That's true. And actually. Us showing it they look at it potentially dates away someone so watching it on theirs. They want to put adverts
1: on the adverts. It's not good enough just to put the adverts up, but anyway. <laughs> so this week we're back to the usual topics. We're looking at Inside Man from Voyager, which is another Barclay show. And then we're looking at Meridian.
0: this will be our last But this'll be our last, last Barclay episode for a while, won't it? It should be, yeah. Um, then there's, well, there's only Endgame, and we're going to do Endgame end just before Prodigy starts. So that's true. We're yeah. Sort of like uh, this is the last time we saw Jayway properly. I thought I don't we have was in Nemesis, don't we have
1: one more? Haven't we got Arthur Arthur, which I think is a
0: uh, is he in Arthur Arthur? I think he is. Yeah.
1: Anyway, we'll um, we'll see how we get on with that.
0: We can look at Arthur Arthur <laughs> because it sort of fits into. Lifeline, doesn't it? Yeah, and Holodeck, and yeah, we yeah, it'll be fine.
1: And then we're looking at Meridian <laughs> from Deep Space Nine, which we do have our reasons, and it's an important reason, but we know it's not a great episode, but hopefully we can have a little bit of fun with it, um, <laughs> talking about it, because we had to watch it this week. And oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. let's start with Inside yeah. Man anyway. We'll start with the better of the two episodes. Um, so yeah, it it's carrying on in it from like Barclay setting up the Pathfinder and everything, and I like that it's got yeah,
0: it. It's a nice little story arc, is this? Mm, it is, yeah. That they keep going back to it and, it, and it's got continuity and. Yeah, it's almost like if they were doing this now, you'd be like, "This
1: is a backdoor pilot for the Barclay show." Like, you'd be fully yeah. expecting a spin-off to come, the Barclay and Troy yeah, show. The,
0: the, oh, I was off to say the Barclay and Troy, because Sir Troy's here again. Yeah. Well, Riker must be getting suspicious by now.
1: Yeah, she's always going off on holiday and then spending a few days or a few weeks with yeah, Barclay.
0: Yeah, she, she goes off on holiday a few days before Riker can get there. Mm. And who shows up every time?
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's funny that, but... Yeah, I mean, maybe Bar- uh, Riker's just not worried about Barclay, but you never know. I mean, this this is the bloke who used to make, like, dirty hologram programs of her. Yeah. And, yeah, she at least three times in the space of about a year or so. Anyway. Yeah, he's... But there's nothing untoward going on at all. So we'll, you know, we'll let Barclay go. But or nothing seen on screen. So nothing, yeah, no, kind of that's true. Nothing that we see anyway. Um, I bet, like, Dwight Schultz has probably written some, like, spin-off fiction <laughs> where, where it's Barclay's getting his end away. Um, and the carrying on this thing of the, the transmissions. Like, we're finding out now they're getting these transmissions every month. And it's... In a way, it's quite a weird setup because everybody's really pissed off. Like, we've missed a month. We haven't had the contact. And they're all describing it like, you know, communications from home. And it sounds like they're all getting letters and stuff. Whereas I imagine you'd be getting videos and hollows and, oh, well, we know a hologram takes um, up too much memory, but videos and stuff, you'd think.
0: Yeah. Um, I can't... S- I can't see why they wouldn't be getting some form of video contact.
1: You'd have thought so, yeah. Um, and the, it ends up with this this hologram of Barclay coming through. And straight away, Barclay's much cooler. And it took me about half the episode to put my finger on it, so I'm like, it, it reminds me of somebody. And it's, it's Ace Rimmer from Red Dwarf. He's doing that, he's like sort of making his voice deeper. of course. And, you know, he's like, hey, you know, uh, we're going to do all this. and uh, and Smoke me a kipper. Yeah, and I'm (laughs) like, that's it, it's Ace Barkley. He's trying to do this, like, much cooler sort (laughs) of version of who he was before. And he's got this plan that we're going to send Voyager home now. Every time in Voyager, they say, oh, we've got a thing that's going to send us home. Obviously, the viewers are going, no, you haven't. But... Yeah, even, here we go again. Even more so, season 7 were like, nope, you're not getting home until the finale. There's no way, absolutely no chance at
0: all. But Yeah, we know that you're <laughs> going to get home this season, but...
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen until later on, and it's not going to be in a Barclay episode. Been funny if it had been actually. Just randomly, Barclay gets them home. There's none of this bog
0: and time travel and all of that. Well, like, there's one of the big things that they all go on about Voyager is it gets home and that's it. You don't see them actually get back to Earth or anything. Yeah, it's a shame. And, like, there's almost uh, an argument in there for why couldn't Barclay have actually done something? In the penultimate episode, and then we yeah. have an episode a bit in the vein of, um, like after Best of Both Worlds, mm, um, yeah, Family and called with Picard, family. with Family, where we have them all going back to, back to Earth and acclimatizing, and yeah, I mean this is a thing again that you can sort of
1: get away with in modern TV now, whereas you couldn't back then, like your season finale and your series finale had to be a big sort of wham-bam spectacular. And now you you can do yeah. it a bit lower key, like that that recent um, mini-series of The Stand, it, it was all wrapped up by the penultimate episode. And then it, I think they even called it the Coder episode was the final yeah. episode. And, um, you know, not, to give away spoilers to anyone who's a big fan of Arrow, but the last couple of episodes of Arrow are not what you'd expect, and
0: you know, you, you could get Well, the last two episodes of Arrow are backdoor pilots that aren't getting made Yeah,
1: well, exactly, but you know, you'd expect the all the monumental stuff to be in the finale, but you can do stuff like this now, and have a bit of time to yeah. see what's going on with your characters I mean, having said that Babylon Five kinda did that. Like the last episode is pretty much an epilogue and it's just Well
0: Well, Babylon Five's a funny case, isn't it? Because yeah. Babylon Five was meant to was originally meant to run for five seasons. Mm. They got told at the start of the fourth season, this is your last season. So season four is amazing. There's so much oh, yeah, goes yeah, on. Because yeah. he crammed they crammed season four and season five into it. And cos it had been so amazing they renewed it to season five. Yeah. And they had no story for it, so you just get these... And a lot of the episodes were almost epilogues to closing up little loopholes. Yeah, but with
1: that one, the thing is um, that... The actual finale episode of Babylon 5 was the season 4 finale, but then when they got renewed, they held it back. (laughs) And so it shows that now happened in season 5, really, if you can have your season 4 finale as your series finale, and it still makes sense. Season
0: season 5 of Babylon, like I love Babylon 5. But season five is very unrem- unremarkable. Yeah, it is.
1: I remember there being sort of right towards the back end, there's some decent stuff, but the the first two yeah, thirds but, of the season there's... are nothing to... Anyway, uh, but that's Babylon 5. But yeah, so Voyager, they could have got home earlier and we could have done something with it, but we know going into this episode, yeah, this this is not how you're going to get home. But... No. We have a bit of fun finding out how they don't get home on this one. So Ace Barkley takes the Doctor's mobile emitter and straight away you're like, right, there's this is this is dodgy. This is, <laughs> there's gotta be something yeah. going on here that's not not above board. Um uh, there's all this quite good stuff where he's like buttering them up and everything, like he's calling Voyager the miracle ship and all this business. Yeah. And, you know, you, you're famous back home. And I imagine that's true, that, like, there would be stories about Voyager once they started hearing about it. And
0: Yeah, well, like, originally there'd have just been another Federation ship that was lost and you'd have had the, mil- the military-style letters going out to the families. Yeah, yeah. But nothing, nothing. it wouldn't have been, may, might have been a little news segment on, like, the the back end of the six o'clock news yeah, or yeah. sort of ships missing, all, all members presumed dead. But then when it's discovered what's happening with it, mm. that'd probably be quite big news. Yeah, I reckon they'll have done stuff in schools, like they'll
1: have been like, let's all write a letter to the crew of the Voyager. Uh, you know, it's like a, an exercise to do. Like, what would you tell the crew yeah. of the Voyager? I could see that happening. Um... Then I like there's a bit where th- they sort of acknowledge some of the daft stuff, like where Tom sort of runs through all the things that could have got him home but didn't get him home. <laughs> and it's like, oh, what about that time when we had the slipstream and what about the time when we thought we could do this? And you're like, yeah, yeah that's that's quite good. I like that you're, you're poking a little bit of fun at it now because there has been a and lot the, of... the subs- the subspace catapults. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think that's good fun. Um, there's some good stuff with Seven as well that she's talking about, like, oh, you know, I'm worried that I won't be accepted back on Earth because I used to be a bog and all this. And Barclay's like, no, it's the opposite. You're a celebrity. You know, everybody wants to meet you.
0: Well, like, that actually makes a lot of sense because, like, they've had the things with, uh, well, 359. Hmm. The, so the problem—they know that Picard got assimilated. So there's got to be. Well, we uh, we imagine that uh, parts of our family have uh, been assimilated and gone off. Like, is this after first contact? Uh, yeah, it will be. I think yeah. it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So they've had first contact as well. So they know people get assimilated,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's got to be hope for anyone who's. That's lost true. someone to a bog attack? Yeah, seven of nine is a beacon of hope. You're right. That yeah, they could come home. I'd not thought of it that way. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And it it quite nicely ties in with what we do later on with Picard as well, because it starts to explore this idea of X bogs and how they'll fit in. And yeah. and yeah, obviously we've not got the full story of it yet in Picard, but. We do find that ultimately Seven doesn't stay with Starfleet and she ends up with the, the Fenris Rangers and all this. So it's almost like we're, we're laying seeds for that kind of thing here. I mean, obviously it wasn't yeah. deliberately, so they didn't know where it was going to go. But but I quite like, you can see a, a progression from where she is in this episode to where she is when we see her in Picard. Um. Then, and I think maybe... Does the episode maybe play its hand a little bit too early here? Because we cut back to Earth and we see that real Barclay thinks he's lost
0: the hologram. So yeah, and, <coughs> and it's sort of like he started with the Borg have got it. Yeah, uh, the Romulans. Like he's right, but he's wrong. Yeah,
1: he's grasping it at straws. A ship, a a ship little flew
0: bit. within twenty meters of the Midas array. Just before the transmission mm. didn't get through.
1: Yeah, it's quite funny though because you've got them kids coming round to look round the, the thing, and he runs in. He's like, "The bog! It's the
0: bog! It's
1: the bog! It's
0: the bog!" <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> and the admiral's like, "Shut up, range! We got kids here." <laughs> but this admiral, right? He must really like Barclay because this is the guy who was setting him up with one of his family last episode. And now he's like my no, co- cousin's got a beat house. he not got
0: an admiral, ab- is he?
1: Oh sorry, it's his boss. He's
0: not an ad ab- his boss. Yeah. And like, well, like I I think I think the thing is that and I think it's a bit like Georgie, like Reggie's definitely somewhere on the spectrum. Yeah. But once you get to know him, you realise that he's actually brilliant. He's just socially awkward. Yeah, no, exactly. But it like And once you break down them barriers, then so, barriers of him being socially awkward, it's actually pretty normal. Yeah, I'm just I know, a bit eccentric but, at times. But this guy's like, you know, I'm gonna try and
1: set you up with someone, and now I'm offering you my cousin's beach house, you can go stay there. <laughs> <laughs> and we find out in this episode that Barclay's been seeing someone else, so it obviously hasn't worked out with his boss's sister or whoever it well, was,
0: but... The thing I the thing I, I hope with this is that it was set up with his boss's sister and he talked about it, didn't he? And he said mm. that they got on really well and all this. And I just hope that he hasn't like, blown her out because this uh... This double Dabber girl comes come along. Yeah. It was pretty attractive and all that, and I assume she's uh, been putting out quite a lot for him, <laughs> and I shoot, and I hope it just hasn't blown out this really really nice girl just for some quick sex.
1: Well, it it can't have ended that badly because his boss is still like offering him his cousin's beach, yeah. out, so he, he's obviously not carrying a lot yeah. of anger or resentment for it. But but yeah, that's a very good point. And then obviously we find out it's the Ferengi who've. Commanded the signal, and I think that well,
0: well, we find this out through like Troy questioning, don't we? Yeah, I'm mean, empathic and t- can tell when you're lying.
1: Yeah, well, that's when she, yeah, when she interrogates the Dabo girl. But we do get a scene of the Ferengi where it just shows, yeah. the Ferengi intercepting it, and there. The kind of more leaning towards the TNG-style Ferengi, I think, than yeah, I the DS9 thought, style. I
0: this, like, it was almost... I thought this, like, I was thinking, when I was watching this, I'm thinking, was this made before DS9? Yeah, it... Or have they just totally ignored everything they developed in DS9? It's
1: Yeah, they're very much like we got them sort of in early TNG, like in Menagerie Troy yeah, and stuff like that. yeah. yeah. I mean, they have some funny stuff where they're like, ooh, we want, we want the seven of nine for umox and also to get the Borg technology, but um, mainly look at her hands. I bet she gives good umox. She's just horrible, but, but that's the Ferengi for you. Um, then we, this is where we meet Troy and she's on a beach and seemingly sunbathing, but, if you look at the lighting and everything in this scene, it looks freezing. This looks like it's been filmed in winter that they've had to all pretend that it's actually really Except warm the middle of... yeah, yeah, if you look at it, that sky does not look very warm that me- maybe it's because you know we we haven't had famously we've not had the h d remasters of Voyager yet, so maybe it's a color correction issue or something like that, but <laughs> I really get the feeling that they were absolutely freezing when they were recording this. <laughs> and it's cool, though, that we get, like, lots of different aliens. Like, you know, we've said lots of times, like, we don't yeah. see much of Earth, but to see Earth and see the different aliens and everything, I think that's all really cool. And I like that Troy, straight away when she sees it's Barkley, covers up, like, I mean... Yeah. Obviously, she's wearing a swimsuit, so, she covers so
0: And she says it again, do you know how inappropriate it is to follow your therapist on holiday? Yeah, exactly. But he keeps doing it.
1: He does. (laughs) And it's probably because she always drops whatever she's doing and goes off to help him on his latest adventure. So he's had a really good success rate with it so far.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so why wouldn't he keep into it? Yeah, exactly. It
1: always works. Um, we find out that we've had, we've missed Geordie's birthday party, and Barclay's done a duet with Data, and all this stuff. So he's obviously yeah. still keeping in touch with the the TNG crew, which is nice. Um, but obviously, we're only going to get Councillor Troy in this episode. We're not. We mentioned yeah. Riker a couple of times, but we're not going to see him.
0: Like I'm trying to, remember, I'm trying to fit in the time here. Is this before insurrection?
1: I think it's maybe after insurrection, but before Nemesis at this
0: point. Right, it's so, got to be before Nemesis because January's in Nemesis. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, but if Troy's together with Riker, it'd be after insurrection. Yeah. So that—that's. I assume yeah. that's where it fits in the timeline, and I like that. Troy straight away is really sceptical of it all. Like, oh, come on, Reg. You know, you're always saying it's this, that, or the other. Yeah. I mean, to be fair to him, in the episodes that we've seen, he's always been right. But we don't know that he's not doing this every couple of weeks with Troy.
0: Well, well, yeah. it's uh, Like, we saw the epi- that episode um, or the changing uh, genet- genetics. Genesis.
1: Genesis, yeah.
0: When the in Genesis. And Dr. Crusher says about how he's always coming into <laughs> sick bay.
1: Exactly. So I'm wondering There's something
0: wrong with him. I'm wondering
1: if every counselling session he has with try and we just don't see it, that he's coming out with all sorts of stuff like Yeah. Oh, the Iconians, we can we can use a gateway. I mean, Tom makes that joke later on, doesn't he? But you know, it could be like, oh, we, we can get Voyager back through an Iconian gateway and all we need to do is this. And Troy's just like, yeah, yeah, Reg. But the, the only time we see it's when he's right because it makes a good episode. But yeah, yeah, I imagine she's pretty fed up of all of this. And she straight away works out like from what he's saying. Oh, you've got this ex-girlfriend who asked you loads of questions about the work you were doing. And yeah, we're, she
0: wasn't interested in anything else. What did she do? She's a dobbo girl. <laughs> yeah.
1: So Troy pretty quickly works out what's going on. And there's the bit later on in there where Barkley goes and he, he tells his boss about you like, there is no way he would not get fired. Like, after what he tried last time, and we know he pulled hey. it off, but he went and he hid in the thing, and now he's going to him and saying, oh... Yeah. I accidentally told the Stabbo girl all about all his plans and now she's commandeered the... I, I mm, <laughs> think he'd be in a little bit maybe, um Maybe he's got a boss like our Prime Minister who just won't sack you no matter what you do, you know. It's,
0: I've, Until you resign and, and, then yeah, you. and then he sacks you. Yeah, and then he sacks <laughs> you.
1: Yeah, so I've had um, I've had Barclay's apology and it's all fine and um, we'll see how it goes. Um. Then, yeah, like you said, there's the bit where um, Troy threatens her, like, I've got empathic powers and I can get you locked up on psychiatric grounds. Like, I'm pretty sure this must be violating, like, the counselor's code of ethics or something.
0: Yeah. um, I mean, it's good to see Troy being badass. I, I think she's playing with that. She's hoping this stabo girl won't realise what dodgy ground she's on with the threat.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a bluff, maybe. Yeah, I mean it is good though to see Troy kicking a bit of ass and everything. Like we've said, I don't know how many times. Like she was so much of a
0: better well, written
1: well, character after TNG finished. Like,
0: well, it it actually started after um, Chain of Command with Jell- Jellicoe. That's and put true, the actually. Uniform. Yeah, you're right. As soon as she got the uniform, she improved. You're right, she did. It's like, why did you put her in the stupid uh, costumes for five, six years?
1: Yeah, well, we know why, but... Um, the, well, yeah, they, you're right. Yeah, we know why, The yeah. character did get a lot better after that. Um, so then they find the Ferengi ship. They work out that they're trying to steal the nanoprobes and everything. <clears throat> Meanwhile... You've got this weird subplot of the Doctor saying, oh, let's go play golf, Barclay. And you get this scene of him on the holodeck and the Doctor's kitted out in all his golf gear and everything. Yeah. And they end up having a bit of an argument. And Barclay does make a decent point. Like, the Doctor says, oh, I'm not happy that you're using my emitter to play board games. And he says, well, you know, should I be using it to play golf either? Which is a fair point. But then he don't need it to play golf because it's on the holodeck. So,
0: um. yeah, I think it's also I think it's also that he has to borrow the doctor's mobile. That's true, and he hasn't returned it. No, he's just feeling like I don't mind you using it at times when you're doing something, but if you're just sitting around in the uh, mess hall. Why can't I go socialise with the crew? Well, that's it,
1: exactly, like he's doing this thing where he's doing impressions of Janeway and he's having the crew laughing and and everyone's (laughs) loving it, which, yeah, to be fair, I can see that, someone comes in, does impressions of your boss, and yeah, I can definitely see people finding that amusing anyway, and they end up doing diagnostics on him and everything, and... Apparently, it all shows he's okay, but he's clearly not because he ends up taking out seven of nine and sending Voyager towards this anomaly. Well, well what they're what
0: they're looking for is if his programs start to degrade, right? And his and his program isn't starting to degrade; it's just being rewritten to do different things than yeah. it's meant to. Yeah, you're <laughs> it's, right. It's actually working exactly how it's been sent through to work. You're right, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, they wouldn't detect anything wrong with it, but. Yeah, it's just, they're looking it's, for something actually. They're looking for actual bugs in the program. Yeah, and there isn't any bugs. No, it's, it's just. It's doing what it's been told to do. Yeah,
1: it's, <laughs> it's that its mission's changed now. Yeah and then the Ferengi I like how one of them and it's a cheap joke but fair enough but he, he's on about getting lobe enlargements once he gets all his well, money well we're
0: talking what they have to do with all the money <laughs> yeah I'll have yeah. lobe enlargements but they're all going yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean it is good yeah it's funny stuff <laughs> Um we've got a lot of smutty Ferengi this week, actually. Once we get onto Meridian, we've got even more smutty <laughs> Ferengi, so um, I like the bit where you've got Barclay pretending to be the hologram, so it's it's our Barclay pretending to be cooler than he is.
0: <laughs> and Yeah, well for, before that we have like the message, don't we, from Voyager that they sent through to Starfleet oh, that, yeah. and, and letting them know they've got that they're ready to come through. But it's being intercepted again, and, like, it starts with Janeway. Sort of. Uh, speeches. speech oh, fast forward this, just get to the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's a uh, hologram, and it's in line with the 74th rule of acquisition, information is profit. Yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's another one. Get that down, in book. Information is profit. They brought out a book, didn't they, with uh, all the ones that had been spoken on screen, but we still haven't got all of them officially. Um, Then, yeah, Ace Barkley tries to escape with Seven, but it's all a bit anticlimactic, really. Like, they just go, beam them off, and then you don't even see them beam them off or anything. It just... It all happens off-screen, and presumably they deactivate the
0: the hologram, and... And they don't go through f- this. They don't go they through. Don't go this, through. But this fold, and... Um, ge- ge- oh, it's a stupid made-up name. Yeah, it was. Geogatic fold or yeah, something. something like that. Yeah, something, it was that. a technobabble if I were a beam into a red s- red sun? Yeah. And it'll fold it, fold space. It does look like it were going to work because the the well, it opens the doorway, but it kills them all because there's massive radiation. Yeah, and there's no shielding that can protect them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, true, true. But um, yeah, and weirdly, Voyager and you know the crew of Voyager don't really find out what's actually been going on in this one. Presumably Barclay will tell them in the next communication next month, yeah. but for now they're like, well, we don't know why he went crazy and tried to kidnap Seven. And, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, presumably they will get brought up to date. And there's quite a funny scene where Tom, like I say, is going on this, oh, we've met an Iconian and he's going to take us back through this. And <laughs> there's this sort of thing of, oh, Harry's really gullible, which... I think's mentioned very briefly earlier on in the episode, but yeah, but um, when they did that, like, I was like, like to "All be, right."
0: Like to be fair, this is this is a callback to early episodes because yeah, Harry was always how are we going to get home, how we're going to get home, and looking for this next way home, and
1: yeah, true, yeah, he was always the one who was sort of most ex- excitable about. I mean, they were obviously all excited yeah. about it, but Harry was the one, yeah. Um. And then there's Barclay's made the the program a bit more security-conscious, which we know (laughs) because it nearly goes for Troy.
0: (laughs) And then Riker... Now, this reminded me of of, um, Robocop.
1: Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you have ten seconds to comply. Please state
0: the nature. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And then Riker's setting Barclay up now as well, so he's... Yeah, well, well,
0: maybe Riker's a bit worried that uh, Barclays uh, sort of moving in on the. No, no, it's not his wife yet, is it? It's just his his girlfriend. But that Barclays get moving in a bit. Yeah, maybe. uh, Maybe this is turning up when she's on holiday. Yeah. Hold on, I need to get someone to distract him here. Yeah,
1: either that, or maybe it's not a date. Maybe it's someone, and she's gonna drag Barclay off and break his knees or something, so that <laughs> <laughs> he ain't up to this anymore. It's Riker's <laughs> man. Um, yeah, so I mean that's a good fun episode, and like, say so it's nice that we've carried on this arc, and it's always it, good to it see it, it,
0: like. What are we about four episodes into this arc now? Yeah, yeah, it's it, Barclay's become. So it has been quite good that it's been. He's one of like the, It wasn't. It'd been so easy for it to just be a throwaway episode yeah. of a guest star. Wanted the first one. Definitely,
1: but he's become one of the more frequent recurring Voyager characters yeah. now as Barclay, and it, I think he works really well. So now we're going to move on to Meridian, which, as I said at the start of the episode. We know that this I think is... everyone
0: should watch this.
1: <laughs> well, ev- everyone should, but it, yeah, we know this is not a great episode of Deep Space Nine by any stretch of the imagination, but very early on... It
0: was... Um, was it last year or the year before it was voted in the uh, 10 worst episodes of Star Trek?
1: Yeah, I can see that. I, I mean, can I... I don't know if it deserves to be out, out of all of Star Trek. I don't know if it deserves to be in the 10 worst. But but then, it yeah, it probably does. It's not very good. Anyway, we'll get into why it's not very good. And we'll explain why we're actually focusing on this. Because we're doing, obviously, the series on the Dominion War. And at first glance, this isn't a very Dominion War-heavy episode. However, it's one of the most important episodes for the Dominion War. And we're gonna cover that in yeah. a minute. We start off with the B plot in this episode. So it's Odo chatting with Kira. And there's a little bit of character work there because they're talking about um eating, and does Odo ever eat? And he tells a story about like he tried drinking something when he was younger. So they are Subtly sort of feeding into this arc that we're doing with Odo at the moment, where he's met his people, he's a bit more comfortable with who he is, and he's starting to sort of experiment with what it is to be a shapeshifter, and so we're nudging that yeah. along. But the main thing is to set up this pervert character played by Jeffrey Combs. And Jeffrey this Combs is, which is brilliant. Is
0: actually, Jeffrey Combs' first appearance in Star Trek. Yes.
1: It's a lucky thing he stuck around, really, after playing this one. Maybe the other roles that he yeah. got were a bit of an apology for... I mean, he's great in the episode. <laughs> he, he does... it he makes this guy look like a horrible, sleazy bloke, which is what he's meant to be. And the be. guy
0: is a horrible, sleazy bloke. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, again, subtle character building with Odo, that we get the bit where Kira pretends that Odo's her, as she describes it, her lover, and she holds his hand, and then after Kira leaves, we get this long shot of Odo just looking at his hand that Kira's been holding, and this has all been done fairly subtly up until this point that we've seen that Odo and Kira are friends, but we've not had Odo confess his love for her or anything. I mean, we're not a long way away from that, but... I think, even watching it at the time, I think even before this episode, you knew that Odo had feelings for Kira. Yeah,
0: yeah, it goes beyond just being friends with him, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: and I think a lot of that's down to René Aubijonois' performance, that he's able to get that across, even though it's not been made explicit. But I think this is one of the first moments where it is made really explicit. Um. Then we get the captain's log, or the commander's log, rather, which is our whole reason for focusing on this episode. So I've written it down word for word. And what Cisco says is, despite the continued threat posed by the Dominion, I've convinced Starfleet that we must continue our exploration of the Gamma Quadrant. So there is the entire cause
0: of the Dominion War. Yeah. Like, like, we're not that far past where uh, the Dominion have clearly said you are not welcome in our territory. They've shown that even though the Defiant is, I know the Defiant is only classed as an escort ship, but let's not mess about it. The Defiant is a warship, and it's arguably Starfleet's strongest warship, mm-hmm. and the Dominion have shown that they can kick the snot out of it. <coughs> yeah. That it is not a threat. It's got its cloak. That didn't stop them. They they saw through the cloak. Yeah. Well, the Dominion don't... I think, like, the Dominion don't have cloaking technology. And I think the reason the Dominion don't have cloaking technology is that they've already got the technology. Their technology is that advanced to see through cloaks. Yeah, it
1: does seem so wide to So why waste
0: yeah, the effort having a cloak?
1: Yeah, and they don't need it either, because they, they control their sector of the galaxy completely. They, yeah. Presumably, the only reason you'd really need a cloak would be to spy on people, and they haven't got anybody they need to spy on. Yeah. Um, and when they do want to spy, they've got changelings who are quite efficient at doing that.
0: Who just infiltrate, yeah.
1: But this is the thing, like, if we look at the sequence of events, so... Starfleet, Bajor, whatever discovers the wormhole they start exploring they meet various different people and things seem to be going okay and they have some adventures they start building the new Bajor colony, they're always talking about trade and things like that so presumably they're stripping resources off planets or if not the Federation then the Ferengi certainly are and the Federation's doesn't seem to be policing who goes through the wormhole. You know, we've seen all sorts no, of... It's, it's, yeah, <coughs>
0: it seems... It's, it, well, it's not a... It's, a, it's in Bajoran yeah, space, it's not it? Like, let's not forget DS9 isn't a Federation no, it's space not. station. It's a Bajoran space station administered by the Federation. Yeah.
1: So they've let everybody go through the wormhole. Then, after a couple of years, give or take... The Dominion make first contact with the Federation and they say in no uncertain terms, we don't want you coming through the thing, the wormhole anymore. Yes, they kidnap Cisco and Cisco and Quark. They escape and but the Dominion have let them escape. So I suppose technically you could argue the Dominion kidnapping Cisco and Quark could be the first have they made the first hostile move? But the Dominion, so will we consider you building uh, you building well, things in our space to be a hostile. I think
0: I think, uh, I think uh, going in and um, colonizing planets is actually seizing territories.
1: Well, that's it. Yeah, and then the Dominion make it'd it. would be up. a
0: bit like uh, it'd be a bit like. Um, how would we feel if the French came over and uh, decided that they were off to turn a? Uh, Lancashire into little France. I know that we don't particularly like the Lancashire, <laughs> but it's still part of England. Yeah, it be true. Pain, it? Yeah, this is true. <laughs> and regardless
1: of it all, the first official meeting they have with the Dominion is saying, we don't want you coming in our part of the galaxy. yeah
0: so in this res- is our territory. So
1: in response to that, the first thing they do is go and get a warship, sneak into the Gamma Quadrant under Cloak, and then when the Jemadar discover them...
0: To, tr- to try find the home planet. To try
1: and find the home planet. When the Jemadar discover them, they uncloak and blow one of the ships up. That's the first thing they do. So all of this yeah. does look really aggressive. And then Cisco again after this... Starfleet were presumably trying to decide what to do. They were telling nobody to go to the Gamma Quadrant, but Cisco yeah. takes it upon himself to go and talk to them and say, no, we should be able to go back
0: over there. So, yeah. like, like, they don't do this in Romulan space. They don't go into the Romulan no. Star Empire exploring around because they know that it'll cause a war. Exactly.
1: They don't go
0: into Klingon space and start exploring a war around because... Even though the sort of like on terms of the Klingons now, they know it had War. They don't they've just got out of a Kardashian war. The so they don't go into Kardashian space. So why start it in the Gamma Quadrant? Yeah, it's it just doesn't
1: it's bad plotting, like it's never made sense, haven't this? And I think the vast majority of the Dominion War story arc is really well written. And it's clear that the Dominion are the bad guys and the Federation are the good guys. But,
0: yeah, but there is I, no denying like,
1: that the Federation is the one at
0: fault like, in
1: these early days. Like
0: like I it, you could argue the case actually, and I think quite easily, that actually I know that we met on on the side of the Federation because it's Star Trek and that's and they're the heroes of Star Trek. But this Dominion war. Starfleet are actually the baddies. They're the ones invading somebody else's town. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it
1: does flip the other way later on. But, but yeah, at this point in it, pretty much all of the aggressive actions have been taken by the Federation. And you could argue that everything the Dominion done has done has just been a response to that. Like it might be quite an extreme response, blowing up all the ships and the new bay colony and blah blah blah. But
0: well, is, they, it, is it an extreme response to um to go and attack a colony? Well,
1: they could have just invaded
0: your territory. The the seized territory. They've gone in and seized. Yeah, territory. they like, could have just look sent at them the Falklands. It's a
1: tricky one, isn't it? Because you want to be on the Federation side, but when you look at the and sequence it, of events.
0: We, it's Star Trek, we're meant to be on the Federation side, but r- till everything, till this point, the Federation are in the wrong. The Federation are mm-hmm. the aggressors. The, there's no evidence, apart from the, the one time the Dominion have come through to say, and gone to the <coughs> station and said, do not come into our space. There is absolutely no evidence the Dominion of coming to Federation no, territory or space. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. Um, there's, so there's nothing. It's all aggression from the Federation.
1: It is, which is a shame, but there we go. Um, so that's the reason we've covered this episode, and we think that's why this episode is important. However, that means we're going to have to discuss the the main plot line of this episode. Which is, they find a mysteriously appearing and disappearing planet and they go down to the planet and you can tell within a couple of seconds, this is going to be one of them episodes where one of the crew members falls in love and we know this because there's a guy who starts hitting on Dax straight away, which I can totally understand if someone met Dax that they might start hitting on her. But it doesn't mean it's entertaining for us to watch. And what they try and do, and part of it is the problem of these types of shows. Because at the time, DS9 is starting to get more serialised, but it's not the whole way there yet. So we're still doing one-off episodes. And if you want to do a one-off romance episode, it's quite tricky. Because you've got to introduce a new character, you,
0: convince us that... Well, you've only actually got 42 minutes of screen time, and that includes the long titles at the beginning and yeah, the end. exactly. <laughs> yeah. And So you've probably got about 39 minutes in total to yeah. do this story. And then this episode, we've got quite
1: a hefty B-plot as well. So you've got to introduce a new character, convince us that a character we know is going to fall in love with them, and then wrap up that story as well because at the time yeah. we were introducing brand new cast members there's no way a one-off love interest is going to stick around at this time in this type of show. DS9 will subvert that later on with Cassidy Yates but yeah, we know this guy's a one-off so you've got to tell the whole in inverted commas epic love story in like you say about 20 minutes or something once you strip out The credits and the B-plot and everything else. Yeah, it's all about spots. Yeah, it is. It's all about spots. (laughs) And, yeah, that's a thing that runs for ages, doesn't it? Like, oh, how far down do spots go? Well,
0: it's just a tease, isn't it, when she tells us to go all the way down and the look on her face when she says it. And then we never get to see it. Like, huh? Uh, (laughs) Nah.
1: I mean... You do see, though, in one episode, I'm pretty sure you see a Trill's feet and the spots do go down to the feet, so... Yeah. She might have been meaning to make it sound suggestive, but she was actually literally just telling the truth that they go right (laughs) down to the feet. And then they try and do things where... And you've got to do this when you've only got that amount of time for a love story, so they try and have a few shortcuts to it, so... What they try and do is go, oh look, they've got this connection because this guy notices things about her that no one else does. So they have this scene where he says like, oh, do you always bite your lip when you're concentrating? And she goes, oh, I guess I do. And like, no. Dax has never done that in any other episode. Like, if you're going to have someone notice like, a character trait, make it something that is actually a character trait that that character's got. Like, Dax always had this really distinctive walk where she put her, her hands and clasped the hands behind her back when she walked. Like, yeah. Mech it that he notices that. But no, we'll make up a new character trait that's never been mentioned before, never will be mentioned again, just to make it look like these characters are, are connected to each other a bit. But it's just, it's just rubbish. And. The thing with the planet's not that interesting either. It's, oh, well, we go to another dimension, but we don't really know why. It's, it's yeah, just, and, it's lame. And it's... then we
0: come back every 60 years for a week or so.
1: Yeah, so we, we have his first meal and his last meal, and we do all this business, and he does that thing where he scoops the fruit out, and he feeds it to Dax,
0: and... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, she's got a fruit, and he goes, no, this is how you do it, and it basically removes the entire... Yeah. what you think is the entire fruit and scrapes the rind well why not just bite the rind in the first place <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> because he's being cute isn't he it's all this cute banter it's going to windaxe's Dax's windax heart over the B plot's not much better so we've got Geoffrey Coombs' character and there's a good joke. The, he's what sorry is it Theon yeah something like that and there's a good joke where um, Quark says, oh, you've not been in the holodeck long. And he says, oh, I don't, I, I don't need long. And Quark's like, oh, not with my programs, you don't. And that's, <laughs> that's quite funny. That's quite funny. And then the whole setup to it is he wants a holo program of Kira. Blatantly, he wants it to shag on the holodeck. And yeah. Quark's obviously up for doing this and...
0: Well, no, Quark's up for doing this because of how much Latin Oh, this is so guy's loaded.
1: <laughs> yeah, you get stuff like he's got his own holo suite at his home, so he must be he must be really rich if he's got this. And so you do get some quite funny scenes where Quark does this scam where he's like, You're the millionth customer and you've won some drink and you've won free spins on the Davo table and you've won holodeck time and Kira straight away is like, oh, I'll give it to Ensign so-and-so, and he yeah, can go. Yeah, it's
0: his birthday.
1: Yeah, and so Quark's just like out of pocket already, he's had to do all this <laughs> stuff. And then you get a bit later on where he, he's there with his hollow camera and he's trying to get, and he says, he says like, oh no, what I'm doing is I'm making a thing of ops. I'm, I'm doing this um, simulation of ops. Yeah,
0: people want to see how it all works, and the ones being a fake kadasi battle, and I could actually see yeah, that as being a popular program. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, I've got one of them VR things now, and the first game I downloaded was the Star Trek Bridge Simulator game. So, yeah, yeah I,
0: I'd but be... I could see that being quite popular. Yeah, let's go playing ups. Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, so that is quite believable from Quark, but I like the way Odo everything Quark says is your huh. <laughs> he does his snort yeah. thing and Quack's even like, well you stop yeah, that he doesn't
0: have to say anything does it and you know that Odo's calling him an outright liar what yeah. he's saying
1: yeah, no I mean there is some good fun stuff to be had in that
0: but back Well, like, on... to be fair with this episode the B plot, the B plot isn't great but the B plot is actually more enjoyable than the main Oh a plot.
1: yeah it's a lot better I mean the <laughs> A plot, it there isn't a lot to say about it there's just so much cringeworthy stuff like you know it, oh let's go climb a tree together and he's yeah. trying to impress her by climbing trees and he says I was just waiting for the right woman to fall out of the sky and Dax says oh I'm afraid yeah, of heights uh, well
0: that's a million to one anyway that had happened, and he goes, I already needed it to happen. Oh, oh. yeah, I already
1: needed oh, it. On. You've only known each other for five minutes. Like. The thing is, you can you can believe that two people who meet each other can be attracted to each other. That's, you know, that oh, happens yes. every day. Well, that's, that's how
0: one-night stands happen and all that.
1: Of course, but the way they try and play this is that they're absolutely madly in love with each other and you know, we, we get to the point where Dax is willing to give up 60 years of a life to be with this guy. And, yeah. And it's it, so on one level, you're like, okay, well, a symbiont lives for a long, long, long time. So to the symbiont, that's not a huge amount of time. And she even says, like, you know, I've been mortal for this long. It'll be interesting to exist as pure energy for a while. So you can kind of see it. But I just don't buy that she would want to do it for this fella. It's just not believable at
0: all. Yeah, it it isn't believable. There's quite a good bit, though, where... It's like we say, it's it's that problem with standalone episodes at this time. In 40 minutes, you've got to tell a love story. Yeah. I mean, you can do it. And the love story <laughs> isn't all that's happening. But here, the love story isn't all that's happening because you've got the B plot and you've got the rest of the A you've plot. You've got the going thing on. about
1: the planet, and yeah there's, yeah. there's quite a good bit where Dax is um, speaking to O'Brien and Sisko up on the Defiant, and they they know what she's up to, and they just sort of look at each other like, hey, up, up, yeah, yeah. Which I quite enjoyed that bit. I think that's quite funny. <laughs> and yeah, so they end up they come up with a way of stabilizing meridian, so everybody's happy. But we can't do it until the next time it appears, which is in 60 years. So straight away this guy's like, well, I'll I'll leave the planet and I'll I'll come and live with you. And there's quite a nice bit with Bashir and Dax where he's saying, oh, well, Quark won't let you in at Tongo as much now if you've got a boyfriend. <laughs> and Dax gets really offended, like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I am I'm, really good at it. <laughs> so, the, you know, there's some not bad stuff in it. and But eventually he decides he can't leave, so Dax is going to stay on Meridian. And there's a really nice scene between Dax and Sisko where... It yeah you know, the it starts off with I don't think anyone's ever asked for a sixty year leave of absence before, but then it does turn into quite a touching scene where they're, they're talking to each other about their friendship and you know by the time you come back I'll be this old and all of that and I think it's really well acted by the two of them and I think you it really does get agro- get across how good of friends they are, but all that does is showing the the chemistry between Avery Brooks and Terry Farrell makes you realize that th- there's nothing between Dax and this fella. Yeah. It, it's just, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. they're,
0: they're playing as being friends and they've got more chemistry than Dax and this fella. Exactly. That throw a life away for.
1: Yeah, it's just, and then obviously it doesn't work because there's no way we're writing Dax out of the story and there's no way we're keeping (laughs) this bloke around because he's just dull as dishwater. I mean, (laughs) who's worse? Is he as bad as Beryl or is he
0: worse than Beryl? I think maybe Beryl's a little... I think he's worse than... Yeah. I I think he's worse than Beryl. Because at least
1: Beryl was tied into like all the storylines on Bajor with Kai Win and stuff like yeah. that. So at least, yeah. Um, then, obviously it doesn't work. They have to beam her up. And... That's it, really. She's just there a bit gutted at the end of the episode. It'll take me 60 years to get over it. It won't, Dax. Trust me. It won't, Dax. It's not going to... Wolf's going to be here next season. Don't worry about it, yeah. honestly.
0: And we've got... Um, oh, what's the captain with
1: the see-through heads? Captain hedge? Baudet with, <laughs> with his see-through yeah, heads. He's got Captain Baudet. <laughs> exactly. Don't, don't worry about it. You'll get over this one. And then back in the B-plot then... Quark's um, Made his holodeck program And you get this bit where Odo and Kira realise what's going on And Kira, I've got a better idea And I'm not quite Sure I buy that from Kira I think Kira would have just gone and chinned Quark for this rather
0: than Yeah, I've I could buy it as actually Odo, I've got a better idea, more than Kira I've got a yeah. I could buy Odo doing this. Yeah,
1: because Odo's got a bit of like, affection Kira, for it. Kira would
0: have just gone and chinned in.
1: Yeah. It's <laughs> you can see like, oh, it'll be funnier if we do this, but Kira would just be like, no, I'm not having this. And yeah, Kira doesn't strike me as the sort of person who would treat it lightly, you trying to use her image as a sex holodeck yeah. so programme. You've,
0: you've written a holographic hair sex programme with me as the main character. Yeah, I don't see oh, that. I've got a fu- I know what I can do, that'll be funny, I'll put your head on my body. Yeah, <laughs> and that'll
1: be an end to it, we won't say anything else about it after that. So, I mean, it's <laughs> it's a funny payoff to the storyline, but I'm not... Not sure I believe it with Kira, just because yeah. Kira's Kira. Uh, if I were Quark, I'd be very worried about my safety. At the, I'm I'm surprised Quark did it. It must have been just the amount of money being offered.
0: Well, you saw it, didn't you? Because he pulls out like, and it isn't strips. He's pulling out um, bars of yeah gold press platinum. So he pulls out one. Then he pulls a second out. Yeah. And then he gives him something else. So it, That's in a box. It must he, be. It throws it. That's a serious amount he's giving
1: over. It must be enough money for Quark to retire and escape from the station if he needs to, if Kira finds out yeah. about this. <laughs> <clears throat> but so he's lucky really that she must have been having a, a nice day because she sees the funny side of it. Um which is more than can be said for the A plot, anyway, but.
0: Well, it's like. Like, what you've. Like, the other point of this is, like, she's changed the head on this hologram mm. to Quark's head, yeah? Yeah. But it's her body. Yeah. That's been programmed as a sex slave. Yeah. So, Quark's still got that program. He can put any head on that, and it's her body. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not thought of that. I mean, I, maybe I would guess she'll make him raise it, but. Yeah, paper bags. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. Just puts, like, yeah, some sort of mask on it or something and covers yeah. it up. Or he might find someone who really likes Quark's face and, you know, likes well, Kira's body Surely,
0: that Surely if uh, Kira, like, I imagine that Quark is a lot better at writing holographic programmes than Kira will ever be. You'd have thought so, yeah. So if she can change the head, surely he could change it back very easily. I'm
1: sure he can. She must change it to
0: someone else.
1: She must make him erase it. I mean, there's no way she doesn't. She's got to do. But anyway, I think that about does us for Meridian. Uh, At least we managed to get through that one. So next time up then we're gonna look at Author Author, um, which'll complete our Barclay Voyager arc. And kind of a... well, it's more linked to the Dominion War than this episode. We're gonna look at Defiant because it introduces some it important introduces ideas. The Obsidian Order. The Obsidian Order, exactly, and we're gonna need we're gonna to need to know about the Obsidian Order before we get to the big two parter later this week. It
0: is a, is a good fun episode. It is a
1: good fun episode. So, they're what we're going to be covering next week. Um, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, we're on Twitter at Retrekpod. You can email us retrekpod at gmail.com or you can come and join us on the Facebook group. Just search for Retrek. And thanks for trekking with us this time. We'll see you next time on the Retrek.
0: Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs>